Hey everybody, this is Blake with Marvel.com and we have two uh, very special interviews with you back to back with three very special guests. Uh, first off, we have Jessica Hecht who is currently on Broadway uh, in Fiddler on the Roof. You may know her as she was a very important character in an episode of Jessica Jones as Audrey Eastman. Um, you probably know her better from Breaking Bad. She was also in Friends and she was also in The Single Guy amongst many other things. So check that out. And then after that, Ben and I talked to Robin Weigert and Logan Miller from the film Take Me to the River. Uh, Robin is well known as Wendy Hogarth in the Marvel world, and Logan is the voice of Nova on Ultimate Spider-Man. Robin is also, she was Allie Lowen in Sons of Anarchy and Calamity Jane in Deadwood. Uh, And Logan was in I'm in the Band uh, on Disney XD. So check both those interviews out, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Hey everybody, this is Blake with Marvel.com, and we have a very, very special guest on the show today. Please introduce yourself. Uh, hi Blake, I'm Jessica Hecht. So you've been in, uh, God, it's always so hard to intro someone like yourself because you've been in so many amazing things. Um, I guess like, I'll, I'll just say like Sideways, Dan in Real Life, Breaking Bad obviously, Friends. Yeah. Um, I mean your Broadway career just is amazing as well um we'll obviously talk about you were in an episode of jessica jones uh we'll touch on that um but you're on fiddler on the roof right now i am that's a total departure for me um, (laughs) because i'd never done a musical before and it's such a classic uh but i have all this personal history in that part of the world and so i felt incredibly um inspired by the chance to do it you've never done a musical before no never 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 yeah what was my family doesn't even like when i sing I don't like when anyone sings, but they say you just sound like Joan Baez. That's a nice (laughs) compliment. My husband likes, like, I don't know. Well, actually, they love klezmer music, but but um, but we're not a kind of performy family, mm. you know. Oh, it, it's a it's so interesting because I always marvel at people. Oh, marvel! There you go. <laughs> but I uh, at people who um, you know sing at home, <laughs> just like this Lawrence Welk show mm. going on. Um, but we're kind of. Um, we're kind of quiet in a funny way so then when I started uh, to to get ready for the musical you have to sing every day yeah just to get your voice to the place because that's the you know that's the natural form of expression for people that do musicals (laughs) so so I was really singing a lot probably it was annoying I can appreciate (laughs) that but (laughs) but I developed my ability to sing in the home (laughs) so so it seems like it was uncomfortable and then it kind of and then it became completely a necessity uh-huh. for me. I just loved singing. I sing, I sing in synagogue in our choir, and it's um, really folksy, which is probably where the comment that I sound like Joan Baez comes from. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, and I do love that. I've always loved that. But that that's with other people, and it's kind of spiritual. So you're not really thinking about how you sound in that way. Was it? Were you? I mean, was this the? I'm sure you probably got offered musicals. Before. Before I sing, I've sang a couple of times with this guy Todd Almond, who's mm. a genius uh, composer and singer. He's doing that this um, great show with Courtney Love right now. Oh, cool. So he's very cool, and he his sound is much more eclectic and much more folksy. I think I do actually. I have sung folk stuff in in other plays, and that's been successful. But this kind of uh, this kind of musical it requires a certain precision that was. That I'm that I'm developing, mm. <laughs> that I continue to develop, which is amazing, and it makes me completely um, uh, blown over by blown away by people who do musicals for a living because you go from being super free when you're doing the acting part to being extremely precise when you sing. It's two mediums in one package. The past couple of weeks at the office, we've had more Broadway people come by than ever. Yeah. like uh, we had. Um, Hoon Lee, who's the, uh, he's on uh, The King and I. He's the oh, king yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. just exhausted. Yeah. He's been going for months. Yeah, and yeah. then Wayne Brady came by a couple weeks ago, and he's exhausted. Yeah, I yeah. guess you're just beginning to get exhausted, or are you? Well, I was pretty tired uh, <laughs> from opening and then the weeks after. Uh, mm-hmm. But I am used to uh, uh, an arduous schedule on Broadway because I've done a lot of plays that were very emotionally exhausting. Oh, I see, but yeah. there's something about those plays that, um, 
that's like going to therapy. You know, you scream and you cry and you go home and you're relaxed. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, but the musical aspect is there's a kind of performance style that's more athletic. So you get really, you do get really tired. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's, it's just different. I, but I, I'm, I'm fairly used to this, this schedule in general. I yeah. want to ask, what's, since we talked a little bit about like some of your film and TV stuff, what's yeah. the thing that people most like recognize you for walking down the street? Well, they you know, it's cyclical. I got to say, doing Fiddler, we have more people that that want to talk about Friends because I think that a musical is in a way um, similar to doing a big, uh, a big network television show. There's some correlation between the mass appeal of that. I mean, now cable shows are much more popular, but um, there's a lot of members of the audience from Fiddler who love Friends. And now that it's recently been on Netflix, it's, there's a whole new wave of oh, yeah. kids watching it. But I don't. I love Friends, and I, it's uh, and it's. A, I'm proud to have been part of it. But I, I feel uh, um, that Breaking Bad is so much more recent. You know, every mm. ten years you kind of reinvent yourself. So, <laughs> Friends was in my twenties. It was so long ago. Uh, so I feel like who was that person? <laughs> I literally thought the other day. I don't even know what I looked like, you know, and and then I thought I have a record. I could actually <laughs> watch myself if I wanted to. Um, but Breaking Bad, um, Breaking Bad, I, I, I certainly feel like people stop me a lot for that. That's so in people's, you know, consciousness. You've also done, I mean, you, so many, like, great plays, like Harvey, A View from the Bridge. Anything you're, you, you want to do next that, like, that's been out there before that you're oh another revival yeah i do love doing revivals i would like to do an Arth- another arthur miller play mm-hmm. i felt the view- i love arthur miller and and i i got to work with him before he died so i, I feel like i'm very lucky you know you, you feel like you, i'm 50 and you feel like ah oh, man i'm so middle-aged but i actually have the virtue of been be, having been alive during the course of these great artists' lifetimes. So mm-hmm. I w- actually worked with him and That's met amazing. many am- amazing people who are now gone, but I had that great fortune. And then these younger playwrights like Sarah Rule, um, who I recently did a play of hers called Stage, because she's, she's a brilliant writer. So, but, but in terms of revivals, I would like to do Arthur Miller. I'd like to do a play called The Price, which I think is beautiful, and it's not, not often done. You, know, you have to find these revivals that, no one, that, that aren't totally in people's consciousness, and you kind of reinvent them. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, you did the Neil Simon. I did. Oh, I love Neil Simon. I'd also like to do a play called The Gingerbread Lady. Hopefully someone who could produce one of these plays will be <laughs> listening to it. No. But uh, Neil Simon, I also had that same experience. Thanks for remembering that. And he is uh, he is remarkable. And people, the depth of a lot of his characters, um, I think, is 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 really un- sort of unsung. And he's from um, a neighborhood in, in, that my that my parents were from. Oh, wow. So there's all this familiarity with that. Touching on that as well, I mean, you kind of have obviously worked with these greats. Like, is there one thing that just made you so awestruck that you just couldn't believe? That I was part yeah. of? Um, well, in terms of a play, I definitely had uh, the most profound experience working on A Streetcar Named Desire, which mm-hmm. I just, uh, Williams was, was gone, but, but I had a great experience working on a play on a role of that stature. It was, it, playing Blanche is, is a really life-changing. Um, so that was a truly great experience. But A View from the Bridge, I, I think in terms of feeling empowered by a play, that was extraordinary, and our cast was extraordinary, yeah. Actually, it's funny you mentioned, I, did, I listened to like a podcast you did years ago talking about that streetcar role and it was really cool hearing how you found that part or or your vision on that part yeah yeah and i think it it, it seemed that you teach i teach at yeah Yeah. i teach a couple of teach at nyu and and williams college and now at hb playwrights and and atlantic here as well Uh, but i but the thing about revivals that's fascinating is most people even with fiddler we go through this is that people watch a revival and they're often just reflecting on the original as a mm. as a point of reference They're like oh wow this is amazing it's yeah so when brando did it or when you know when vivian um lead you know like that's that, that's what that part is and this person found something new well that's not what the part is that's what vivian lee thought it was or that's what brando thought it was but when you get to do a revival then they were remarkable in those performances but actually what you're doing when you do a revival is really reading the script as though no one has done it before mm. and that's what I tried to do in Fiddler uh, because that text the stories were stories my grandparents uh, read but with with Streetcar if you just read the play it's it's 
not necessarily about a crazy woman. It's about a woman who's had the most horrific luck and and has lost her mind as a result of that, perhaps. But it's not about somebody that's just innately crazy. And Stanley is not just a horrible villain. He's a complex guy. You know, and the way our director, this, this amazing director, David Cromer, explained it, like Stanley and Blanchard both have equally arduous paths, and Stanley just happened to have tremendous luck, and she just happened to have no luck at all. And if you just kind of follow what happened. So it, it's amazing, but what you're doing when you do a revival is just reading the script as though no one ever did it. And like, what is the story? Like, let me just try to get back to the story. Mm -hmm. So with Fiddler, that's also so interesting because like my grandparents are from that part of the world and spoke Yiddish and read these stories in Yiddish and what does that sound like and what is the it's not you know people have done those this Fiddler on the Roof and done it sort of Borscht Belt and done it in New York the people aren't in New York and they don't they don't know New York humor they're from this place and those other productions are incredibly viable and incredibly entertaining but like I like to go back and think oh what if we, no one had ever done it what would I have found yeah yeah that's great yeah that, you basically touched on kind of what that interview you did was about but i suggest people listen i forget what it was called it's like 2012 so oh maybe uh if they just search your name in the yeah. itunes bar like it'll pop up i uh, maybe american theater wing i don't know if that uh, yeah the, yeah but the, the american theater wing does an american an amazing uh, i think it they, was that actually they yeah did howard sherman he did all these interviews with people but there's a f yeah a few i did on on streetcar because i found that just uh, Amazing. Yeah, it was like yeah. I, not being an actor. It was really cool seeing yeah. how like going into that world. I never really yeah. saw that. Yeah, so that was cool. Yeah. Oh, um, cool. oh, that reminds me too. You did Broadway Con recently. That's, oh my God, how weird! Yeah, that was what, so interesting. What is, <laughs> I, I mean, we are, obviously have like conventions, comic book conventions Com all the yeah. time, but this yeah. is the first. It was Broadway so show, interesting. Right? I ultimately loved it. I found it at, at first. What scares me about. Um, theaters that uh, on the on these big stages you you really are performing um, and and being that that day these people who are, who are obsessed with Broadway and um, and and all that it holds for them this great entertainment which is kind of overwhelming because I, I felt like I wasn't part of that and and here I am mm -hmm. <laughs> like with this with this group of people that all knew every musical and and it was they they and and yet uh, the the questions were very touching and the and the and the number of people we reached because later on that week all these people came to the show oh, that's awesome. were lovely people and they mm -hmm. all were like god the Broadway kind of was so glad to meet you in person you know people people I, I I rarely answer it's terrible but I people write to me and I'm, I'm bad about answering because I used to get a lot of letters from people in prison <laughs> it's really sure. weird totally yeah. nuts but when I was doing friends I would get a lot of letters from women in prison and really? yeah it was well I think this is so horrifying to say. but I was the first lesbian you know character oh. my, my husband was doing <laughs> Oz at the time and my husband directed a lot of Oz he would say like all the women that are gay for this day have mm -hmm. found you out <laughs> you know, wow. there's that expression for women who like are lesbians just while they're in prison, well, and then I was this gay kind for of. This day. I was I like, never this, heard that before. It's a great, yeah. It's <laughs> like, I. Um, not to in any way impugn the dignity of women who were writing uh -huh. to me who weren't in prison, but it was like this whole, <laughs> this whole kind of insane. So I can't write to these women. It's just so it's so odd that yeah. they're even. Um, this is sounding much more negative than I feel. <laughs> I feel terrible. No, I'm, sure half these women, I'm sure half these women are wrongfully imprisoned anyway, <laughs> given our penal system. But anyway, but long story short, um, I at Broadway Con, you actually realize how many people are truly uh, moved out of their lives mm -hmm. by Broadway, by these shows, by these tunes, by this whole world, and 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 how many people it motivates. And I just found that very touching. Yeah. Was it the, 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 was it just like a panel, and then did you the sign panel. or something, or did you I meet people? Sign or I didn't sign because it was snowy, and I was uh, and I'm just I didn't know what the just, yeah. kind of like what the convention was really because it's the yeah first year, it's but. a it's really a it's the equivalent of comic-con just for broadway shows mm -hmm. just for big and and broadway history there were people from other shows there were there were people that came that had been um that were dressed in costume that had been preoccupied awesome. by certain characters mm -hmm. historical broadway characters and and uh and came as that character that's crazy yeah 
Yeah, I'm trying to think if I missed any aspect of what Broadway Con held, but but I think it really was for people who wanted to honor the Broadway it tradition. Like it, from what I heard, it did really well, so it should be going on. It was on. the worst storm, and it did very well. Mm-hmm. It was packed. That's it's awesome. very touching, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll do another musical and make a return appearance. There you go. <laughs> you heard it here. Um, I guess I, got, I definitely need to ask about Jessica Jones. I yeah, gotta say, hello, I, yeah. I, I don't know if I said this... <laughs> I think I said this before we started recording, but if not, I'll say it again. You were amazing on this episode. <laughs> like you, you like stole that. Oh. I think it's episode four or five. It's I'm not like sure. Four. I think it's yeah. three and four, but the big scenes are in four. Yeah, yeah. you <laughs> are like. I learned to shoot a gun. <laughs> oh, the, for the first time. <laughs> yeah, because also it, I I was amazed at how these random shootings occur, because it takes a, a fair amount of physical force on the trigger and and just thought like I'm gonna I'm gonna cock the gun and pull the trigger this idea that the gun just goes off when people say it just went off seemed absurd to me (laughs) absurd I mean you actually have to it's heavy you have to pick it up you have to pull it back you have to maybe it was the gun I was carrying but um but uh it 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 just the experience of learning to shoot the gun you become incredibly focused so all right just to get as a Anyway, that was my gun experience. Um, but I knew Kristen from Breaking Bad, mm. and my husband also had done a show, a, a pilot with her. I think she's incredible. And um, and and then the episode is so intense because, you know, this show has all these all this resonance in terms of any apocalyptic experience, and then you know it it, it resonates in terms of nine eleven. It resonates in terms of the Second World War, and and so you can think of it in this in this kind of big macro way of what 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 historical you know um uh, events it, it 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 reflects but also just playing the scene was so much fun because she's fantastic and the room falls apart you know we have all of these great special effects mm-hmm. and i um as i said i shoot the gun and i'm wearing these super fancy clothes <laughs> And the director, David Petrarca, was excellent. And I had known him actually from the theater for many, many years ago. So the the, the whole experience, and I thought Hilly was the writer uh, I, as well. You know, you get to my point um, in, um, in life, in my career, and I had some tangential uh, connection to all of the creatives. Manuel, I'd done a movie with before. And so you, you feel that it was the culmination of a lot of interesting relationships all in this kind of superhero world it was so cool I had done really small things with other people in the in the on the team um total like under the radar projects and then here we are it was all shot in the middle of the night too so we were literally brain dead it was shot I think probably most of those scenes were shot at like between three and five in the morning that's crazy yeah it was uncomfortable physically yeah I mean (laughs) I'm sure people everybody that's David was amazing uh, I'm sure people who've heard this have already seen the episode, but like if they haven't, like you steal that uh, whole show. Like it's crazy. Yeah. So it's very interesting. I just found them all remarkable, um, but I loved I loved doing all that acting with uh, with Kristen. And you, you mentioned you don't really like watching yourself. I don't like watching myself. Why yeah. is that? I don't like. Yeah, I. Well, it's funny. The first time I watched myself, well, the first few times I watched myself. I was amazed at how much my face moved and how, my, how, how frequently my eyes blinked. And you do have to notice old movie stars who are considered just beautiful to watch have very limited facial movements and often don't blink almost at all. Mm-hmm. It's you know, I actually worked with Wes Craven and he he was a master of, an, obviously a master of horror, but a master of understanding how the way in which your face moves um, indicates different experiences that you're going through. So for horror you would not move your face or blink for a certain period of time and then you might make a small flinch and blink your eyes and it would it you know it would read to the viewer that something had terrified you and then it had broken and it is an amazing thing to look at the way he or you know he <coughs> orchestrated different performances so i had the incredible experience with him he was he was uh, such a wonderful man but but i realized uh, that that is what I don't like watching, and that is probably what makes me um, castable as I get older, because my face does move. <laughs> so, and older, you know, starting like at a certain point, a lot of 
people's faces don't move as much, and it's hard to read what's going on. And is so, that a surgery? <laughs> is that a plastic surgery? It is. <laughs> I just didn't want it to go over Do my head. Do you think that's wrong of me to say? No. <laughs> it is what makes it probably more interesting to watch people as as time goes on. Of course, of course. Because you can see, yeah. And <laughs> um, so it's interesting, but I don't like watching myself because, because uh, I often just feel too critical. Yeah. Do you, so you'll go to a premiere and you just will leave after the red carpet? Or <laughs> the no, I, I, I'll stick to a premiere because I feel like, you know, my as I said, because my husband's a filmmaker, I, I, I do try to now watch it from the vantage of what the film is doing and mm-hmm. what the DP is doing and the director. Um, but I, I just, uh, I try not, I, I, I just, I, I, I rarely watch a show that I'm in, very rarely. I watched a few episodes of Breaking Bad and I watched my husband's episodes, but I didn't watch mine. And I just feel really critical. You know what it is? Is that to me, I'll never only be a, I, I'll never only be a film actor. I'll always do both, and I don't want to be conscious of how my face works. I want to oh, be free, mm-hmm. and so uh, I mean, I know enough about how it works to know sort of the, the scope of what I'm doing, but I don't want to ever perform from a vantage of knowing physically how it, how it's all working. And I, I think I gravitate to that when I watch myself. I think, oh, don't, 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 scr- you know, scrunch your brow. Don't make your eyes move like that. You're blinking so much. And I become really conscious that I, when I'm acting, oh, I know what that looks oh, like. Oh, yeah, okay. And it becomes just a purely superficial awareness that I don't want to have. That's fair. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Of course. I think great filmmakers totally know how their face works. Yeah. Um, I want to ask too, since uh, this is Marvel and it's like a nerd community yeah. or whatever, what are you kind of a nerd over? Obviously, oh, probably that's Broadway so or, good. or plays, but like, what 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 do you? Yeah, into? I'm we, a nerd of plays of mm-hmm. of of uh, yeah of theater and and actually a lot of theater written between like 1950 and 1980 uh, or 70. I like that uh, that that era. Um, and then I'm also. Uh, I'm a nerd about. I like crafts. Okay, I love nice. crafts, <laughs> and um, and and yeah, and and recently I've become, an, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a nerd about um, ki- like kid. I love kids, and I love uh, childhood education. I'm like a nerd about like, how kids get educated. It's real. It's my kids are older now, but I'm really interested in like little kids and how like. How how like like simple things like um, coloring and reading and I just find that all fascinating how our brains develop and I still watch morning television that the like preschool section oh, nice. and I think isn't it interesting just how we become who we are it's kind of a weird thing but I'm sure I'm just want another child and I'm too <laughs> old for it <laughs> have you uh, ever taught children like acting. Yeah. I do. I have taught children acting. My kids always say it's kind of bizarre how much you like little kids because I have taught kids acting. I taught kids acting in Compton when we lived in L.A. And um, and and I teach in my kids' school. I volunteer in my kids' schools. And I'm amazed by how much they understand about like human emotion. And then you shut it all down when you're a teenager. And then you, yeah, and then you allow yourself. You try to, re, you try to like open yourself up again. But I'm just fascinated by sort of that teenage period when, because little kids are sometimes little kids are such beautiful actors because they're so simple in what they think different. You know, I once did when I did Dan in real life, the little girl was amazing, <laughs> and this is what I find fascinating. I, and I really, this is the kind of thing I, I, I'm preoccupied with the way her brain worked. She cried a lot in mm-hmm. a certain scene. And I said, you're amazing. You're really, every time um, Steve tells you this story, Steve Cross, you really cry. Can I ask you what you were thinking about? And she said, yeah. And Peter Hedges was a wonderful director and very sensitive. But I don't know what he was telling her. But she said, yeah, I, um, well, he asked me to think of something sad. So I thought about a little dog that I might see that has no food and it's like all alone on the street and it's really dirty and it's its birthday and it's wearing like a birthday hat. Someone put a birthday hat on their dog and it's very tight on its little chin and it has no food and I keep thinking of that dog just looking up at the so tight on his chin and he has no food. <laughs> I was just like that is such a sad image. That's crazy. That That's she just loved dogs. <laughs> and she thought of this little scrappy dog. 
And she was just crying over and over again about the dog. But that was the purity of her imagination went to something without any prompting. I'm sure Peter said, well, let's think of something sad. And you're like, well, my grandmother died. And I was, but she would, after a while, that would wear out. But that dog, and she was just sobbing. Isn't that amazing? What girl was that? Was that um, she was so good. Was that Britt Robertson? No, it was the was younger the other, one. Uh, Britt was, went on to do a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, she's in Tomorrowland and all the other. Wonderful. Yeah. It was the younger girl. I can't believe I'm forgetting her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember Britt, this is a weird aside, but my family is friends with her family uh, and I met her grandfather yeah, and he was just like she's from North Carolina yeah, yeah, yeah. so he was like her grandfather was like oh, I'm, I'm, my granddaughter's this actress and I'm you know you hear that and you're like yeah sure and then now she's like in everything I should have should have thought yeah I forgot she's this little girl was from Westchester but but I remember Britt was and I also did a play at Williamstown where I do a lot of plays with Brie Larson who's an amazing actress amazing who's in Room yeah, I'm just thinking of these people that you just think, oh, they're so lovely. My God, I hope they do well. And then they're like, <laughs> you know, winning Oscars. I mean, speaking of that, I have to mention, you worked with Ernest Borgnine. Oh, yeah. I got to he interview him a couple nice years ago. Man. He was, he was a sweetheart. He yeah. was a great guy. Mm-hmm. He, we were talking about that, Danny Burstein and I, about really amazing people that you uh, feel so honored that you knew. And he was a, such a good person. He's from Hamden, uh, Connecticut, near where my family is from, my husband's family. He was just like the real deal. Real deal. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That show, Single Guy, that had a lot of... People I used to watch it. that show religiously. with Johnny. I wonder yeah. what happened to Johnny Silverman. He was great. I don't know. I know uh, Ming Na's on uh, yeah. one of our shows now. Yeah, yeah, she was terrific. So, yeah, and Joey Slotnick, he's excellent. He played the other. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Very funny. Um, what? Anything else you have? You're just doing Fiddler. You're just just plugging away mm. at Fiddler, and um, yeah, I have a few things in the works, but I can't really can't talk say about that. Yeah. When yeah. does Fiddler? It's just going. A There's year. No I, you have to stick to it for a year. Oh, wow. I think it'll last the year from what they tell me. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think uh, that's it. It's quite amazing because I, I, I've had a few moments of realizing that a year is a long time and all that. But because the, um, s- the story is so beautiful and I, I love acting with Danny Burstein, he's amazing, and, and the rest of our cast, I think that it'll be this huge kind of Broadway experience that for me will just kind of be about doing a good job for each other, which usually, um, which I thought, I didn't think would be the case. I thought I thought it would just be about, in many ways, the spectacular nature of what I was doing. It would be like being a rockette, but it's been the opposite. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so I think it's too late for me to still be a rockette. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, um, I do a lot of aerobics. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to mention before we... Uh... No, I just think it's kind of thrilling that these Marvel shows, just for me, I, I started to, to, when I got Jessica Jones, I, I, I didn't realize how, how uh, much... These stories meant to people, like I, you know, just just this form, but that that they also had this historical. Like I was such, I I was so in the dark, Mm -hmm. and I and I think that's been the incredible thing of of cable TV is opening your mind. Like you were asking me what kind of nerd stuff, and that's what cable TV has done. Like these little subcultures, which people thought were incredibly cool but how would you popularize them because nobody on CBS would ever want to watch this obviously that's not true now but but um but uh but you wouldn't want to watch the the kind of intimate micro version of what these stories are about really and then like cable has been incredible for allowing stories like this to come out and like just the artistry of it so it, it's it's really it's it's a whole new era and how many people watch that is mind-blowing mm-hmm. right to you too i'm sure yeah they're right i mean season two of that show is already but all of these shows yeah. that are going to come up all of these shows mm-hmm. these little it's like these little ideas that people have that seem just based on their own interests their own obsessions could actually please millions of people mm-hmm. yeah. and then you come in and take over the episode and yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> and get to shoot the gun. Get to shoot Hopefully the gun. Hopefully for the last time. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah. Well, it was a wonderful performance. You're wonderful in everything. Oh, and, uh, thanks it's so such much a pleasure. for taking the time. You're so nice to talk to. No, me this was this was my, uh, the pleasure was all mine. Thank and, you. Uh, <laughs> I guess people can find Fiddler. Just Google it. And, you can uh, find Fiddler, and I yeah, and I have to say, even if you have seen Fiddler many times, it's it's a pretty authentic 
look at, at what those people went through, and it totally relates to what we're going through now with the refugee crisis. And, 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 and I don't think we hit it over the head in any kind of heavy-handed way. I think it's, I think it's a, a really relevant play. So uh, even if you've seen four high school productions, three Jewish community <laughs> center productions, and the movie, please come. <laughs> nice. Okay. I'm, I'm sold. I'm sold. Yeah, you I totally have to come say hi. <laughs> yeah, anyone listening, if you come, totally come say hi. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, everybody. You got to come say hello. Um, thanks so much for taking the time. This sure. is awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the This Week in Marvel podcast. My name is Ben Morse. I'm the editorial director for Marvel Digital Media, seated next to... Uh, I am Blake Garris, and we have two Marvel alumni joining us. You joined forces to be in a film. We'll talk about all that stuff. Um, that has nothing to do with the superheroes <laughs> yeah. in any way. We'll talk about but, that yeah, for but, sure. But there will always be the but possibility a of a sequel. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Ryder's going to have his own Marvel series, I'm sure. <laughs> red pants and everything. So, uh, <laughs> the red pants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, please introduce yourselves real quick. I am Logan Miller. Wow. Yeah, thank you. I just I love microphones, and so any chance to like have my radio voice, I I take that. Is this your radio voice? Hello. Ah, Okay. All right. We got Lionel Richie's "Hello" coming next. So, (laughs) good segue. Good segue. Uh, I'm Robin Weigert. And so and that's uh, your radio voice. No radio, <laughs> no radio voice. Yeah, yeah no. Coming so, at you. <laughs> Coming at you. Obviously, the Marvel fans know you from uh, Jessica Jones. Yes. You were wonderful in that, and you're wonderful in Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're here for Take Me to the River. Right. Well, yes. I saw the film last night with with you both. It was uh, wonderful, by the way. Thank you. Um, what drew you to the part in the first place? Well, for me, I mean, I, you know, Matt really had a rich. Uh, script uh, at, at the beginning. I mean, it was something that was very audacious, something that I had never read before, and um, you know, I, I, I was drawn to the anxiety that was was there when I just read the script. Mm-hmm. And um, meeting Matt for the first time, he gave me one of the most uncomfortable experiences in <laughs> auditioning. So, I, you know, being able to work with him and then get to know him better, I mean, he's truly a talent and he's truly somebody that's going to, you know, move mountains in, in the entertainment industry. And so I just, I felt lucky to be a part of his first production for sure. Yeah, and I, I, for me, I, it was it was a total page turner. You know, usually when you get a script to read, you, you pick it up, you read half, you do half of it later, and I couldn't put it down. And I think there were two moments in particular in it for me. One, one, and I won't do any spoilers, but one is a, a, a really scary thing has happened for this kid, a uh, character played by Logan. And uh, uh, it, it's, it seems to be creating a, a, a total family war and there's just a, a, a mystery moment when the sister of, of the girl around whom the problem is swirling comes out of the woods on a horse, and she has another horse with her for him, a riderless horse. And just even reading it on the page, I thought, what the heck is going to happen after that? It was just a great, great cinematic moment that I could see in my mind's eye. Yeah, and it and, really, it really um, shows yeah. a great family dynamic. And I mean, uh, I'm somebody who, <clears throat> excuse me, has um, like grown up in the Midwest, and uh, so I'm around. I've been around this environment that you know we find ourselves in in this film, and uh, finding the dynamic between everybody and kind of the the secrets and uh, you know things getting a little too close to home and stuff. It really rang true to to myself and so yeah, yeah. And, and and for me that the other the other scene i was going to mention is one that just absolutely resonated psychologically for me that and i i couldn't even think of exactly what in my in my life but i i thought of my mother it, and it was a scene where i come to you in the, um in the shack he's sort of exiled to this shack and i insist on trying to spend the night with him to kind of keep him company even though the exile itself is just this i should never have approved of it in the first place you know and but but somehow I, I can't let him go through this trial by fire alone and I come with a sleeping bag and I and something in it was uh very deep deep for me yeah <laughs> that yeah. that 
a woman could make that kind of mistake with her kid in the first place, but then be so keen on keeping him company. Um, and uh, I thought it was beautiful. So I, so it has these two, two aspects. One is that it's kind of a thriller, and the other is that it has all these layers of psychology to it. And, I, I, I can see that um, part at, by the dinner table when yeah. you're singing. Oh, I was yes. so just wanting uh, it to yeah. end, and uh -huh. I was like yeah. freaking out, and I was like, this is and terrible. That, that was probably one of my yeah. favorite scenes in this film to shoot, because, I, you know, I'm not a singer, you know, professionally. <laughs> really? I mean, I've got, I, I have a velvet, I have a velvet throat, no, but um, <laughs> that, uh, the uncomfort of, like, singing an acapella song in front of the man that you, like, ultimately fear, kind of, <laughs> was just such a... Such a such a fun thing to do, and I, I it was hard for me to almost keep a straight face because well, our director I'm, I'm, I'm could not keep a straight face. Yeah, in that scene. he had to exile there. himself from the shooting of that scene. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sitting there like almost laughing at this, but I'm almost like, well, what's the reasoning for me laughing? And it's from this sheer discomfort, you know. I mean, we're getting thrown into the world that was what Ryder dealt with and stuff, and so. I, I mean, it was it was just it was such a fun experience. I mean, being able to go out to Nebraska and actually be in this environment. I mean, the um, the farm itself was um, Matt's uh, mother's like uh, growing up place, and so she she grew up there with her grandmother and stuff, and so being able to be in that environment really just helped immensely. I mean, being able to just kind of. I don't know, fall into it all. Yeah, it, uh, and his parents were a naturally. presence as well. Our director is a young director, and his mother and father were both presences throughout. And um, because the mother character was based a bit on his mom, it was a chance to kind of soak up some, some of the source material, <laughs> um, even though who I created was very different than her uh, in her essence. It's still... Uh, and one thing that struck me was they actually had, like out of Wizard of Oz, they had a, a trap door that you could go into That's in awesome. case of a tornado. <laughs> and she talked about how in her childhood there was this terrible fear of these tornadoes coming through. It was very vivid and real, you know, what we think of as... Uh, most of us who don't live on farms think of it as something very much out of that movie, you know. Yeah. Um, so uh, lots of lots of things, and then and the farm itself has a great presence in the film. Oh, yeah. It's like really, there's so much texture of just uh, nature and. You know. And you feel it too with yeah. the score that he had chosen. I mean, in, in the film, you don't hear a piece of music until the very end. Spoiler alert! But um, <laughs> oh my it, god, music is coming! Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't see the movie now. Sorry, <laughs> sorry guys. There is a song that plays. I won't tell you when. It might be at the end of the film. You ruined it. But um, he chose to use uh, you know the cicadas and the the the, the sounds of of wind hitting trees. And all these things. Yeah, it's scored as, as, as yeah, 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 as um, you know, the the, the focal point and the, the the focal sound of of the movie, which was really cool, because um, yeah, it, you don't get that piece of cinematic uh, presence that that you know you can relax to with the music and be a part of. It's like you're in it, you know, which which is so great, I think, with the score and the movie in general. It's just like you get thrown into this weekend with them for a very a, a short period of time, but you get to see and feel exactly what is was happening. So take a step back for a sec for those of us who haven't seen the movie yet. Sure. Um, at the highest level what is it about and what do you want people who are maybe making up their minds whether or not to go see it to know for me i, I think it, it has a lot to do with family it has a lot to do with growing up um you know there is a a, a piece of uh, judgment i think that that writer ultimately has and the the idea behind uh what's happening with him is where he thinks that people are going to think a certain situation about him I when think ultimately one of, yeah. he's he uh, realizes that 
the lack of understanding is kind of coming from him. So I, I, I think at the end of it, it's a, a story of, you know, understanding each other. And if I step back from the movie, though, and think of it, you know, it's, a, it's very easy for us to think of it through our characters' mm-hmm. lenses, obviously. And I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, obviously we're all caught up in politics right now because it's an intensely political moment. Sure. Uh, uh, but, I, but I do think... Um, there's something in this film that resonates deeply with this political moment because um, even the fact that the characters are steeped in this element of of, of a sense of inchoate dread, you know, that there's in, in some sense of impending catastrophe is somehow... I think the way that we're all living right now, or at least that's what this election seems to have brought up and out, is that there's a lot of people who feel that things are quite dire. Mm-hmm. And and there are then many of us who've been walking around not feeling that way, mm-hmm. who are suddenly alerted to the fact that there's a huge swath of the country that has in some way internalized that, that thought, you know, that 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 we're in a disastrous state or disaster looms, you know. And the family that our more, I would say, liberal mm-hmm. half of the family is stepping into a kind of family reunion context with. Um, uh, that part of the family carries uh, that kind of energy so that any trigger uh, is going to set them off in a way that has the potential to create an unbelievable level of cataclysm, you know, psychologically. And I think that there is, he's, he, you know, obviously any kind of film that's written intuitively, if it's going to hit the zeitgeist in some way, which I think this did, it's, it's because of inchoate elements that we don't, we just don't know what we're tapping into creatively sometimes when we write things or when we act things. But I do think our director, our young director, writer, um, had his finger on something when he wrote this. Um, so it's, 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 it's very, very tense, and I think it's very tense in the way that we all feel very tense right now. So before you vote in the next election, <laughs> see Take Me the River, uh, um, and then you'll be able to decide what candidate yeah. you want. Yes. But but that would that would if I didn't know the movie and all of that, that would be something that 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 I would think would be of interest about it right now. Yeah. Um, I want to ask too. I want to get back to the, kind of the tension of the the film that you were speaking of. Like there aren't a lot of movies that are doing that these days. There's a, only a handful of directors. It's like everybody's trying to get into these feel good things. Or it's it's. Well, There's both good aspects, but <laughs> right. like, yeah. it's kind of, you know, I think it'd be better if more people saw the tense moments in, in film and kind of just let that... Be. Well, I mean, you know, as humans, uh, dealing with situations such as this, we're all going to feel tense moments. And, well, you know, to and, bring and, it back to and, Marvel. And, and, oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> to know. bring it back to Marvel for a moment. I yeah. mean, think how dark things are skewing now. Mm-hmm. What used to be like the cartoon genre, you know, where like superheroes were going and conquering the bad guys has become incredibly complexified, right? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. in all of your shows and movies. Well, that's too. funny because both of you so, are polar opposites <laughs> in that respect from the Marvel Oh, that's world. true. Yeah, where yeah. We represent the two yeah. halves of the Marvel, Marvel yeah. Yeah. universe. I mean, so. I mean, the cartoon genre where everything's fine and, you know, you're eating yeah. your <laughs> cereal your and watching. In. And I get my head <laughs> to the table. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, you know... I, Someone said last night, I felt like the end of the film didn't really wrap up what was happening sometimes, and I was like, well, that's that's kind of the point here. It's like, we're not trying to put a button on it, and we're trying to show, like, a slice of life in a way. And um, even though they've dealt with these hard situations, and, you know, Robin's character has this past with her family that she's dealt with as well, like, we're all searching for something and we're all moving forward in our human existence and having to deal with these things and we can all kind of coexist in this way and that's kind of what we learn uh, by the end of the film um, but uh, yeah I mean you know the dynamic and the fear and the the shame that comes with uh, everything that happens within this film I think it's just very real and that's what people will kind of take away from it they'll finally it's they're a not, conversation not, piece yeah, yeah it's a conversation yeah. piece and we're not we're not like you know spoon feeding them either you know we're letting people interpret what they want from the film and uh, it leaves it very open ended which is great and, uh, you know, you can take whatever you want from this movie and kind of, you know, put it in yourself. And so I, that, that's what I respect about the film for sure. Cool. 
How early on did you guys make the Marvel connection and realize that you both had been in Marvel pieces? Today, for that me. Was, that's, yeah. that's what I was going to ask. I was was like, it, oh. Did it take that? I, I feel like the last time we saw yeah. each other, you were you had just finished shooting Jessica oh, Jones or that could, were yeah. like auditioning for it or something, yeah. but... No, yeah, it wasn't that. This was for whatever reason wasn't a, an audition scenario. So it was right. just because I'm in LA. But um, but it was uh, uh, yeah, it was an adventure. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to be able to do this uh, with a, a couple days here and a couple days there, and then the character sort of ex, ex, expanded a bit. Like I think she was really only supposed to be about a two three episode oh, really? thing, and so it was an easy enough thing to say sure. You know, it seems, sounds like a great mm-hmm. project, and and she kept kind of. Uh, being a little bit more and a little bit yeah. a little bit more and so so I had to figure out how to relocate for a few months yeah. to New York which wasn't in my original uh, plan but it was fun to fun to be here this is really a town I used to think of as home and every time I land down here I wonder why I ever yeah. left yeah. it's just you know but I but I think um, you get to LA and your life sort of settles down and expands and there's light and there's sunshine and you get very comfortable but I, I do love this town so. yeah and my, my Marvel job sounds much easier than <laughs> Robin's situation but uh, we uh, yeah I, I did Ultimate Spider-Man for about four years so mm-hmm. it but I could have done that in my you know, pajamas. It was just in a did very. I wish that I did. I never did. I I was fully clothed while recording Ultimate Spider-Man, but um, yeah, we always just uh, recorded that in the in Burbank and stuff, which was really nice. But great, great group of people mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah. I uh, I gotta say too, one of our coworkers, Mark, who he does the podcast with us, and he's in L.A. We told him that you were gonna be on the show, and he said, "Clammy Jane." He freaks out, and I, I hate—I don't want—I hate bringing it up, but like, I had so many people like, you were—you like transformed on that show. Like, your character was just—that was just acting beauty in itself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you get that all the time. Like, people are like, that wasn't when you were in Jessica Jones. Like, that wasn't Calamity Jane because you were like that good at the part. Well, Calamity Jane was was. On the spectrum of character roles, it was really extremely much a character, right? Mm. Like it's not, it's not like you just uh, uh, walk around the street behaving that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's New York Throw, City, throwing but... out, throwing out of most establishments <laughs> you go into. But um, super yeah. on what's that. exciting right now is that there's real, genuinely real uh, talk of uh, of some movies uh, after all these years. I mean, I think that wrapped up about ten years ago, and I've never in my life returned to a character after a decade. I don't think most of us have had that experience. So it will be wild to uh, re-inhabit her again. I, it sounds like that's actually going to be happening. I think, I have and that it's safe to talk about now because like you know the head of the network announced oh, that, yeah. that it's going to happen. And, and I had a, a, a cool conversation with David Milch, and it seems like it's really uh, gearing up to, to actually take place. People have been asking about that in interviews for for years, and I've said, I don't know. What about these movies? What about these movies? I think I can finally say that maybe 2017, you know, <laughs> might be a little more, more Deadwood for everybody. So that would be That's great. Awesome. That's yeah, cool. yeah. Logan, for you and the uh, Ultimate Spider-Man journey, what was it like uh, voicing that character, and how did you? Because, like you said, you did it for a few years. How did you evolve as you were going through that in the voice acting? I mean, you know, I learned so much on that on that uh, series for sure. But um, I, I, it was it was great being able to work with all of these voiceover veterans. Mm. And um, the way we recorded that show was we did it much like an old radio show in a way where everybody was in the same room. Um, you know, performing this together, and that brought a really great dynamic in that series because you know you could see the people that you're talking to, whereas opposed to you know just going in a recording studio or booth and just doing it yourself, we actually were able to kind of you know make these characters feel like they were actual friends and stuff. And I mean, it was a group of people that I still have in my life today, and it was amazing getting to just like see like. Tom Kenny and like uh, Joe Jamont DiMaggio and like uh, Tara Strong and people all these all these amazing voiceover sure. veterans do their thing you know yeah. and so that's what I took away from from that experience getting to work with you know all those talents like that um, so yeah I mean it 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 helped me a lot I I hope that I'm able to do more voiceover stuff in the future and. Uh, 
I found out that I have a beautiful, sultry voice. So <laughs> that's that's what I learned. <laughs> a voice to go to sleep to. to and Lie kid. down, kids, because oh, I've got a secret sultry voice. <laughs> something. I mean, that led to you did video game voiceover as Nova too, right? Yeah, That's yeah, kind yeah. Of a trip. I know, and I'm like, if Nova is in any of the Marvel movies, please cast me because <laughs> I'm supposed to be Nova. It's it's uh, in stone somewhere. Uh, in the world that I should be Nova, so guys, make, let me be Nova. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, do you have any good like memories from filming Jessica? Yeah, I mean, well, I'd never. I, I realize it's weird to say it this way. I'd never actually died in anything. Oh, really? Wow. Really? Like, oh, is that a spoiler that I'm not supposed to say? Uh, I think it's been like, out long ago. Yeah, we're, we're far like, enough though. Yeah. But I never, I never, I never, I never uh, had to perish before anything. <laughs> and and especially in such a gruesome bad, way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that uh, was a slightly haunting thing. I took a couple just photographs after they did the special effect. Mm. And I have them on my phone <laughs> to look at the image of myself with a giant yeah, gash know. in my head. I don't know. For some Someone reason it's a little, I'm not sure why I'm keeping them. But, um, <laughs> but that was... Uh, that was wild, and there was so much that went into creating the the effect. Actually, the production values on that thing were pretty incredible all around. I remember um, uh, just a scene of being held over the subway tracks mm-hmm. was quite a production with cranes coming in and and shutting down the subway during rush hour. I think twice, oh, wow. and just uh, the amount that was put into this thing on the level of production, and it shows because. Um, unlike things that are, you know, not shot in New York that pretend to be New York, the city, the city was such a, a vital character in in, in this thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and was so well shot. I mean, it was it was uh, it's, it, the thing has such edge because the city has such edge, and um, I thought it was quite beautiful to look at. I, it was fun to watch the show for me. Like I thought, I thought everybody came across really really strong, and the introduction of this new superhero the one who has the relationship with Jessica. Um, you know, we didn't really get to see scripts, uh, or uh, except for the ones that we were in eventually, and even that was sort of... <laughs> so I didn't know a lot of what that relationship was going to be, and I thought that was such a hot relationship. Yeah. I hope that they'll sort of continue it somehow into uh, his show, <laughs> because it was it was really working on uh, all kinds of levels, I thought. The two of them together were great. And um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I'm, I, I suppose you want me to be anecdotal, but I don't know <laughs> beyond just that. Idea. Just these, these experiences. I mean, they were they were strong, you know. Um, and uh, made a couple friends on, on there, which was nice, you know. People who I've kept in my life doesn't always happen, so that's cool too. Nice group of actors. We, we hear that all the time, where you get yeah. like just pieces of script yeah for, on your end did you get the whole script for the cartoon or did you get yeah I mean we well? would get we would, we would always get the full script and then uh, recorded about a week later mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah yeah I mean you know when it comes to auditioning or working on stuff for Marvel and everything they're very secret mm-hmm. they don't even want the people that are working in there well uh, the most secretive thing <laughs> I remember be. experiencing once upon a, I had an audition long ago for the Chronicles of Riddick oh, really? obviously <laughs> That didn't work out yeah. for me. Yeah, were you going but, out for the Vin Diesel but character? I will or? tell you that this is what that was. I did. I was not given a script to read okay. or even sides to prepare for the audition, if I'm remembering correctly. And I was to show up at a mystery hotel, <laughs> and I went. I went, and it was the audition would take place in a room, but the room number wasn't given to me. So I'm sitting in the lobby with nothing in my lap, waiting to be summoned somewhere oh, in the hotel. And uh, and then it was like somebody came and fetched me, and I believe he was wearing a suit. <laughs> it was like something out of, you know, like is this? Am I actually going in for audition, or am I being auditioned to be like part of the CIA or the you know KGB or something? Uh, it was it was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Amazing. So so then then in the room you just need to sort of go okay here we go. And it was wild. No context, you know. Yeah. Nothing. And, 
I um, like your positive outlook on it, though. I think I'd be murdered, and you think you're yeah. going to be in the CIA or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I thought it'd be really weird if somebody put a hit out on me and, and set it up through my agency. Oh. Yeah, like, like, if they're going to do they that. Really want, yeah. That's the most <laughs> detailed thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, really it's like, there may be guard. people who want me dead, but I don't know if they're going to be that clever about that. Um, so. So aside from yeah. um, the movie we discussed, what else do you guys have coming up? Well, um, I just got back from South by Southwest at a film called The Waiting uh, Mm -hmm. that was there um, with myself, Kier Gilchrist, and uh, James Kahn. And so uh, that just premiered, which was really great. Um, Let's see. I I have uh, a couple movies. This movie, Scent of Rain and Lightning, that will be coming out soon. And then uh, Donk's Purpose, uh, which is a DreamWorks film. Um, so yeah, you know, and then I'm going to Malaysia to shoot uh, a movie with Blumhouse called Solo. So wow. he's going to yeah. do his required boy on an island yeah. movie. Yeah. That <laughs> is always the precursor to somebody becoming. I'm going to make famous. it my uh, my uh. Castaway meets Revenant. So yeah. uh, <laughs> get ready, yes. Oscar, because yes. I'm coming at you. Yeah. You're going to be on my mantle in a year. There you go. Which That's is not true at all. I'm, I'm, they, uh, they're not going to oh, care about this film at all. But, don't yeah. limit your options. Okay, um. Oscar, you're coming my way, baby. <laughs> Thank you, Robin, for, yes. for bringing me back to my rightful glory. So, uh, and and I actually have, um, a, a, there's a character I really enjoyed uh, uh, creating that's on a show that's just starting to uh, be on the air right now. and But she doesn't really enter it in earnest till about episode seven. I mean, they pepper her in a little bit earlier, but it's a show called Damien on Annie. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and, I, and I got to play this wild, um, she's a German nun from the Vatican wow. who, uh, uh, and things heat up quite a lot once she starts to enter the, the story, like for, for the inter- our protagonist in the in the show is the Antichrist. He's the everyman. He's he's you yeah. and you. In other words, he's a guy whose beef with God is the same as anybody who's agnostic, atheist, or questioning. Which is how could a loving God allow such suffering? Mm-hmm. And so, unlike being you know the 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 sort of Antichrist who's rubbing his hands with glee at mm-hmm. being able to cause suffering, he's a guy who d- doesn't know that he's set up to be the Antichrist, and there are all kinds of forces that are surrounding him to try to make him become his destiny and he's fighting it um, and he's a war photographer <laughs> you know and he documents all the suffering and slowly does it begin to dawn on him that the suffering emanates from his own being which is also really psychologically interesting for uh, again for this moment in our, our weird history but um, so I think the show is cool and I I really enjoyed the character uh, Especially as she develops in the second half of the of the series, so that's happening now. And I'm, and I'm um, uh, also right now shooting. I mean, not at this moment, but uh, there's a seven episode thing for HBO called Big Little Lies, uh, with Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon, and it's written by David E. Kelly, and it's really a cool project. And that is uh, somewhere into episode four right now, and I, I'm kind of in three, four, five, six, and seven of the. Uh, of the seven episodes, so, um, and and I've been enjoying that a lot. It's directed by Jean Paul Valley, who did, uh, <laughs> or, or uh, who did. Um, sorry, I'm I'm so bad at cataloging things, which is I know half this profession is we're supposed to remember everything, mm-hmm. but uh, the the one with Matthew McConaughey. Um, uh, that was about AIDS. Uh, the, Dallas uh, yeah, Dallas Buyers Club. Club. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, Dallas Buyers Club and uh, and he did Wild. A great film called uh, Cafe de Floor too. Yeah, he's an amazing out, guy, yeah. and he's a very uh, wonderful sort of colorful director. He's very very passionate about what's going. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, everything is he feels it so much, and it's beautiful <laughs> yeah. working with him. So uh, uh, that's been a good time, and so those are the two things I think I can talk about. A uh, couple independents that I did and their fate is still to be determined, right. you know, that are floating And Robin and I have a secret superhero project. Right? <laughs> is that right? Writer right now. So, um, yeah, we can't really talk about that. I shouldn't have said anything, but, you well, know, for, it's happening. Um, <laughs> I, I got to ask, too, this came yeah. out, it's Sunday, it's last year, yeah. right? So what was, the, what was it like in between this whole time, like press time now and then the waiting game or something, or what was Um, I think uh, as far as distribution, we found out, at, like, 
maybe a year ago, I think, of what was going to happen. I mean, it, it's so interesting because, yeah, this journey has been so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so nothing nothing too much. I mean, we uh, we did some, like, uh, commentary for this a couple this, of yeah, months this, ago. The surprise and, to me um, was that it was it was going to open wide, you know, that it, that it got sort of a landmark distribution all over the country because uh, I, I had it pegged in my in my mind as a sort of s- smaller maybe a smaller indie that was going to do New York and LA and then maybe grow from there but but uh, they're expressing a lot of confidence in it right right off the bat here yeah so, and uh, I mean the fact that we yeah. did get the you know nationwide release it, it, I felt like it was you know a, a really a great thing and it you know people are are responding to it very well um, for something so uh, so uh, kind of uh, daring, I Tense. guess, in a way. Yeah, and yeah. so I, I'm I'm very happy with what is happening, and um, I give all the credit to Matt, and I, I'm just so proud to be a part of this film. Logan, so. if I can, I, I'm allowed to praise you, because uh, sure. I'm not you. He <laughs> gives a really, really beautiful performance at the center of this thing, so well, real you. and so um, such a sensitive. Uh, a portrayal of this kid right on the cusp of adulthood and it's just really uh, really a great piece of work tried my so. best you did great too Rob <laughs> oh well did no. such a <laughs> great job. I mean it's wonderful yeah. to see actors taking chances like that though in films like like you said you just wanted to do thought this was an indie project you're not looking for this acclaim for it and now that's actually happening it's mm-hmm. it's almost like better that way where you're not like looking for oh, yeah, if no, you give your start. expectations high you're always disappointed right well <laughs> you told him the Oscar thing a couple a minute ago so well, that's, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> and he, he just talked himself into it and out of it within the space of a minute I didn't think he was doing himself any, any uh, favors there but was just making jokes, and now my agents are calling, and I'm nominated. So it's really great. No, but it is great that you guys are doing the projects like this. You know, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, I always look for projects such as this. You know, directors that are doing something audacious and doing something fun and new, um, because that's that's what I love. I mean, when I try to find projects, I try to work on the things that I want to see. You know, and so. So being able to do films like this, you know, I feel very lucky and feel, you know, very blessed to be able to do that. So it's uh, it's it's nice. It's very nice. Yeah, I, I remember, you know, I, I don't know if you guys loved Alan Rickman as much as I did, but I loved him and I got a chance to know him a little bit as a human being because I was doing this Broadway play and he and Lindsay Duncan were doing that Broadway play and so we sort of hung out sometimes. and. He had said then, at a time when I was very impressionable, you know, he had said that his heart was in independent film, and and uh, um, you know, obviously did a million things, including theater. But it was interesting that I thought of him as this theater actor who occasionally would do a Harry Potter or something, but but that that his passion was for just this kind of thing, you know. And if I think of something like Truly Madly Deeply, or 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 which is one of my favorite things he ever did. You know, it's these small indies that strike a human chord that really are the things about a person's career when you're looking back. They go, oh, I saw him there. I think I really saw her there, you know, in that thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, when, they, when they've left this earth, you go back and you think about that, that indie that they did sometimes. Um, so, That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Where can people find you guys online, social media, anything like that? I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram, Logan Yeah, Y E A H seven eight five. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm on Zanga. I'm on J Date. I'm on Tinder. Um, where else do you want me? J Date. But yes. yes, I'm I'm all over the internet. I guess. Um, <laughs> so here's where we reveal our generational difference. Because <laughs> although I am very well set up to have a media presence because I have a website and a Facebook and somebody at a party recently made me get a Twitter account. <laughs> um, I haven't really used them very much. Um, but it doesn't mean you can't. That changes uh, I run all of Robin's social media. I'm intimidated by it. I pretend it. to be Robin Weigert. I have, I have, a, I have a, uh, an issue with telling the truth, <laughs> which is that I do it too often. Uh, and so no. I'm, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid that uh, I'll, I'll give my opinion in one of these easy chatting kind of conversations and it will somehow be then you know, offensive to somebody. Mm. I just don't like to even enter that mm. that uh, that world that much. Um, it's a weird thing to be somewhat private. 
<laughs> and be an actor. I know that seems like a big contradiction. But anyway, I am available in those forms, and I do read things people write and occasionally respond. She's also so. on Tinder. I found yeah, her on Tinder. Yeah, so. and you spotted me on J-Day, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. um, how can fans uh, watch the film? Um, well, we're releasing next week in New York and L.A. on Friday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Friday sets sunshine. Yeah. yeah. And um, the initial nationwide release, I, I'm... I, I think it just follows on the heels yeah. of that, right? That's I think, uh, you know, everyone out. can check out uh, the, the Facebook of Take Me the River and um, just, you know, Google it and you'll be able to find it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not exactly sure when the dates are for certain cities, but uh, our initial release is this week, so, and uh, I'm sure we'll be on demand and stuff by the end of this month and everything, so just go online and find it, guys, because it's beautiful, and it's my favorite film I've ever done, and that's a genuine thing. Not actually. I don't know if young Ultimate Spider-Man fans should watch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but. guys, you're really young, um, and you know, you're still figuring things out in the world. Um, so just enjoy your cereal and watch Ultimate Spider-Man. And and, and for for another sort of serious thing, I, I I think this director, this is his first film. I think he's really going places. Mm-hmm. So it also might be exciting to see just as a first film mm. by by a kid who's really showing a tremendous amount of promise. And he's still in his 20s. Yeah, he only did two shorts, I and, think, right? And, uh, yeah. and uh, I mean, everybody got super excited about him at Sundance, yeah. and everybody wanted to sign him, and everybody got very, very excited about him, with good reason, because he's got a real signature already. He's got mm-hmm. a real style, a real vision, and an and incredible uh, depth. So um, I, I recommend seeing it, even just to sort of see the early work of Matt Sobel. Yeah, I think he's doing a movie with Focus features called uh, Scorpio Races uh, next, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And then this crazy film that he's created called Oyster, which is, is based off of a short film that he, he made initially. Um, so yeah, being able to work with Matt has been amazing. And, and I he's a doll. with him in the future. <laughs> and God, you know, what a kissable face. <laughs> 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 well, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, guys, we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, really appreciate it. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs> <laughs>